Capello and welcome back to Widowed AF, your chatty episode. You're here with Rosie Gilmoss and joining me in the hot seat, as always. Jonathan Gilmoss. I was just waiting to see when I should come in. I know, I like to keep you on your toes in the intro. It's, uh, I don't know why, it's it's how I get my kicks. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) So welcome everybody and um, I hope you're all bearing up okay. We are inching our way towards the Christmas break. One more school run to do, for us anyway. Um, So I hope you're all holding up. Christmas is is an emotive time of year and we're really aware of this. And friend of the show, Donna Ashworth, put something out on her Instagram or Facebook today. And I must um, screen grab it actually and share it because it was something about um, not being afraid Oh, something, oh, God, I really should have had it in front of me. Sorry, this is so unprofessional. But it was something about how don't dull your sparkle because you're worried of how it might impact other people because actually people who are going through difficult times need to see your sparkle. And I suppose behind that ethos lays my sequin wearing activity. I'm actually, not, you, anybody who's watching this on video, I'm just going to raise my leg. There you go. Silver trousers, because from the top down, you can't see that I'm wearing anything shiny. Uh, um, For the rest of you listening in the normal way through your headphones, I apologize for lifting my leg like a dog and you're not being able to see it. (laughs) You could always watch it on YouTube if you you wanted to. (laughs) Don't, it's not worth it. (laughs) It ain't worth it. Okay, right, back back to the, the matter in hand. So we are going to talk about Jen Platt's episode. Jen's episode went out on Monday. And I really like her. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. She was really ballsy. She's really clever. And um, it's a different episode. It's different, isn't it? It's it a is. different grief. Yeah. Yeah. So when um, her husband, Mike, died, um, they were they were experiencing quite a turbulent patch themselves <clears throat> and were, you know, were sort of heading towards separation. So when he died, and he died suddenly at home in a way that was quite reminiscent of um, both Steph and uh, Laura, and it was this idea of this big man being stuck between the bed and the uh, the wall, mm-hmm. and them not being able to move them. The paramedics saying you need to get them onto their backs, and you know that sort of helplessness. Um, but since he died, she has gone on quite the journey, and. Yeah. And I think in doing so, I mean, she says herself, it's not me um, inferring that, you know, for the first time in 23 years, she felt like she was herself. And one of his friends, Mike's friends said to her even, you know, oh, that's the first time I've heard you tell a story without being corrected. Mm. And there was a couple of other things when like commenting on, you know, you go back to the gym. Yeah, or, I preferred your hair blonder. Or, mm-hmm, yeah. And I think, they met very young. They met, so I think she's either 18 or 19. And, and then she describes herself as a very grown up um, teenager and had her own flat and job in London. Um, but he was a lot older. And it's that sort of glamour of the older, older man and, and this lifestyle she describes as sort of drugs and partying. And you can see how that would be very appealing to a young woman, you know, from a small Kentish town. So, but you change in that time, don't you? Yeah, I think she even references that in the um in the you know she came from a sleepy town. He was London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, back when I was there, that was Barnsley, and London was the the thing. It was the yeah, uh, it was the thing. But it, it 
it sort of throws back to um, actually Lulu's episode right in the beginnings is this discovery that the the person you'd spent your life with is is um not who you thought it was and the life you were living is not the life you were leading. Yeah. Um and having to like accept that and, and, and get going in your head, so to speak. And figure out who the fuck you are because yeah. you're part of a partnership, a, a a marriage or a relationship and as a result of which you come as a pair. I don't necessarily do everything together because very few of us do that, but it's I think I did say to you just before we came on mic, actually, you were with Sarah for 20-odd years, weren't you? And yeah. whilst your relationship was, you know, I'm not in any way comparing it, it, it you have to then, if you've been with somebody for half your life, how, how figure out who, who, the, who are you? Well, how, how much of you growing up has done in your 20s and your 30s? Yeah. And, you know, I was with Sarah um, and, you know, Gemma was with, with her. Though, and you, you get to you get to an age, I'm getting to it now, apparently, where... Um, you know, when when Sarah went, I remember looking and, and I was discussing it earlier today. Um, my life felt like a gritty London gangster film. It was really dirty and grimy and grey and nothing felt safe or secure. And that's the only way I can really explain I how it relate. felt. Those, well, the most of the chicken and wine phase, the initial phase. Yeah, so. and for you and anybody else who's lost somebody from illness, the build-up. You know that that starts before they die. You, yeah. You're already in that in that moment. Now, I I do want to also talk a little bit um, about another love story that runs through Jen's episode, and it's a platonic love story. It is the love story between her and her best friend Amy, who tragically died the same year as Mike did. And I oh, truly believe in, in platonic love and friendship. And mm-hmm. I tragically lost my best friend back um, just just after we finished university and he died suddenly. And it was a cataclysmic loss because, um, but as she says, you don't get the, uh, the gravitas as you do when you're a widow. So whilst she desperately wants to talk about Amy and how much she's grieving mm-hmm. her, as she describes her, her other half. Yeah. The grief that she feels for Mike is actually secondary, but that's the one that she's been labelled with. There yes. is no word for I've lost my best friend, is there? There's no name for you. Mm. But there should, there should be because it's a significant person in your life. So it really, Well, she, as she says, they, they grew up together. You know, they, they often, you know, friends will be the, aside from family, the people that know you best and have known you longest. And yeah. my friendships have, have changed since Ben died for sure. They've changed since I got sober. Um, but I have some incredible friends who I would be absolutely devastated without. And I think that it's important to recognize platonic love as, as important. And I also really hear how much she could have done with Amy <laughs> this past year, you know, yeah. you could do with your best mate. Yeah, for sure. And actually she's in a, a relationship. She's in a relationship with a chap called Andy and, um, Strangely, the only people who have been kind of not as accepting have been Amy's family. And, and uh, again, she talks about it in the episode about how perhaps it's that feeling again of, um, well, if she can fall in love again, Amy can be replaced. It all comes down to this idea of legacy and not being forgotten. And whilst we don't want to be forgotten, can you imagine if it was your child, like the idea that people might forget that they exist? And of course, they don't. Um, they don't forget. It's just different. Yeah, everyone has their own opinions, mm. um, and it generally um, 
it generally comes back to how they feel about how they want to be remembered. Well, this is what I mean. It's, you know, that's why it's sort of, and I think also, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from Jen, who said it far more eloquently than I am, that, you know, this idea that Jen got a second chance and she will get to continue her life, whereas their daughter didn't. And it doesn't really correlate, but I think when you're grieving, it doesn't have to. And Not the mind can make up. There's loads oh. of stories in in, in, well, in your mind, so yeah. well, that mind certainly has at points. Well, and one of the things that I really related to, actually, when she talks about Amy dying, was um, that she didn't know. So actually, her husband knew, and she'd been out all day. I, I think she'd been out in London, and come home, and then found out that her best friend had been dead all day, and that feeling of almost feeling a bit betrayed because you haven't been told. Yeah. So therefore, when Mike died, she was very clear with their son, Reg, even before she knew that he had actually died because she felt that there was no way she wanted him being left not knowing. Yeah. And I I can relate to that because Ben died um, on the Monday morning and I didn't know a thing until seven o'clock that night. And I'm very angry, if I'm honest. I'm still very angry that nobody picked up the phone to me. Yeah. I, I don't understand how I got missed in it. You know how somebody forgot to tell his wife, but yeah. it happened. Up the shop, yeah. yeah, and and it, you know, I, I I'm not, you know, seethed in bitterness anymore. But it, it's um, it's another. It feels like another thing that's taken from you. But essentially, listening to Jen talk was quite refreshing because she does come at it from a different angle, and she is quite matter of fact. But she's also, you can hear the determination to make sure that their son is not overtly affected by it. You can hear, I mean, God, this woman's had more jobs and career, you know, proper like high flying careers than most people have had hot dinners. She's currently the deputy head of a secondary school. And so she, she's a real powerhouse of a woman. And I'm really happy that she has had the good fortune to meet somebody else and yeah. to, and to build a new life again. And, We've stayed in touch. We share little pictures of sequin jackets that we spot in places and things. And <laughs> I'm going to share a, a text correspondence. I do talk about it in the episode as well. But um, so I noticed on the uh, application form, I was just flicking through them one day and I saw, oh, she lives in Westmoreland, which is where we're based. And um, so I just sent her a quick text saying, oh, yeah, how funny. We, we live near each other. And as it transpires, she had moved, um, but also had this real preconception of me as this uh, I think the Breton Stripes. Uh, so I dug out a picture of Ben and I in Breton Stripes and sent it to her. So it may well be the cover of this episode. Different life, different life. <laughs> that was, I draw you back to the times when I made individual chocolate Lego figures to go on cupcakes for the whole class for one of my kids' birthdays. I ain't that per- Yeah, I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, you change. You, your priorities change. And I think I've really noticed that at Christmas this year. We have scaled back. Um, yes, there's presents. Yes, there's a tree. Yes, we're doing, you know, fantastic fun things with the kids. I mean, we even went out last night um, with other grown-ups, didn't we, John? We That's did. nice novel. We did, yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> yeah, we went to see some Christmas lights at Leeds Castle, which it took me a while to understand this is not in Leeds. It's in Kent. But um, if you're not local, I can't explain I used it. to live around the corner from it Never Confuse me every day, especially since I used to work in Leeds, York. Yeah, well, this is this is the thing. But we, yeah. But apart from, you know, I haven't booked extravagant trips to see Father Christmas, and I've found it has taken a lot of stress away. Um, the other day, I did some wrapping, but I just did 
a bit and then I'll do a bit of what will actually probably happen is I'll think I've done it and forget. But our house is in chaos. We're still having decorators and builders in. So it's very difficult to make the house look Instagram perfect. And I, my children don't want to be dressed in matching outfits for a photo. And it's all additional pressure that you, as I think, whether it's getting older, whether it's being bereaved and realizing that this shit doesn't matter. I don't know. I felt an immense pressure to make Christmas perfect. And that pressure is easing because when I, and I sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm off on one. Here we go. When I was in counseling on Tuesday, I was talking about Christmas and I was talking about the fact that it is quite stressful. And every other day there's an email, they want a pound for crazy hair, which isn't just a pound for crazy hair. You've got to come up with a concept. <laughs> you've got to get stuff. You've got to create it. <laughs> um, and it's, it is tiring and it is a lot of pressure. And you get to the point where you think that you're just going to boil over and that is no fun for anybody. That's no fun for you. That's no fun for the family. And when I was talking about what we're actually doing on Christmas day, which is spending it with my parents who we're very close to and my brother, and we're going to a lovely hotel. So I haven't got to cook. And she said, my face changed you know, and because it is not, I don't know if this is cliche, but it is not about the presents and it's not about whether the turkey is organic and has been brined <laughs> overnight. And it's, it doesn't matter if your napkins don't match, or even if you don't own napkins, kitchen rolls, a napkin in my house. It's about trying to find a little bit of sparkle in that darkness. And for some of you, that will be pretty impossible. Um, and I, I suppose I, on the end of this little tangent, just wanted to say that if you are struggling, send us a message. We might we can't help necessarily, but you'll know that somebody's there and that we care because we do and we've we've done the first christmas and it's grim mm. yeah and it's only um i think it's the first christmas that i look forward to christmas um mm. every time since it's always been the month after yeah uh, sarah died and it's got the same bleakness to it but this this year is um i don't know i'm looking forward to it and it's about making new traditions i've never had a christmas like i've had like i did with ben before so we would either be at our house and people come to us or we'd go to his family or my so I've not done any of those. Um I I'm, I have mentioned this before, but I, I stuck her holiday I could not afford on the credit card and went to Cape Verde the first Christmas. Um and then we've done I think the next one was then we were into lockdowns and things. So last year we swam in the sea on Christmas Day, which was quite liberating. And mm. it was right before we started this. It was the beginning of this was starting to germinate yeah. this time of year. So we're trying to think back and think what we, you know, the good bits, what we've achieved. It's not been an easy year. We've had to do some really hard, heavy lifting this year, but it has also been an incredible year. Yeah. And I, I won't get all emotional about the year yet. I'll save that one for the end of the year episode. But yeah, I just wanted to thank all of you who have listened and supported us because um, it's given me personally some purpose on some dark days because mm. I've managed to get up and get on the mic when. Otherwise, I may have just laid in bed, staring at a wall, eating fried chicken. No wine, though. Probably, I don't, probably I don't not fried chicken, chicken either. I don't eat chicken in bed. I don't eat fried chicken. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I would not eat in bed. How, <laughs> oh, how dare you? Um, but I'm going to eat in bed over the weekend because I'll be in a hotel in Budapest with only one kid. That sounds weird. It's my kid that I'm going away with. <laughs> <laughs> It's nothing weird Epstein steam thing. No, there's nothing weird going on here. Yeah, we're going off to the Christmas markets and to a bit of ice skating and just basically hang out um, as almost like mates because they get to an age, I find, where they become quite 
pleasant to be around. And I've never done this before. I've never taken one of the children away abroad on my own. And I just thought we live really, really close to Europe. It's a two hour flight. Mm -hmm. I sort of want the kids to see that you can go away and it doesn't have to cost thousands and thousands of pounds and be a huge, great big two week extravaganza. And actually one child at a time, I'm anticipating being quite easy. Yeah. I will report back next week. And Monty's the first one to reach the um, the proper teenhood. Yeah, um, and, he's, and he's amazing. He's he's changed schools. Uh, he's changed schools in year eight, so he's just done um, the first full term of his second year, and it, he's getting incredible results, which are not the be all and end all. But when you see them working and them getting results, mm. it's it's really rewarding. And we're both really really proud of him. And, and I sort of wanted to do something a bit cool to celebrate it. Um, and I've never been. So I am hoping to meet up with Melissa Honeycup, who was one of our guests previously and is Hungarian born and bred, lives in Spain and happens to be in Hungary at the same time as I'm there. So fingers crossed we might get to meet up and I will, of course, take a photo. I hope you do. Yeah, it'll be nice, I'll, wouldn't it? I'll be losing to bowl into the other three. Yes, but. yes, it's, uh, it'll be like divorced dad, right? It? He'll be out doing all the things. Oh, if he thinks I'm divorced, <laughs> I need to see me with a child anyway. Oh, yeah. I had him on the TGI Fridays last week because you took Monty to the ice game and I took the other three to the cinema. And I did the TGI Fridays way too late, by the way. TGI cannot turn around <laughs> in 20 minutes like I thought they could. <laughs> it's me that's meant to have the time blindness. Um, and I get, you could see the, you know, the, the waitresses, the people around, oh, yes, yeah, it's weekend. Uh, we treat, treating them to TGI Fridays. And I wasn't. I was just getting a bit of food before. What did you wish? <laughs> So yes, it's uh, it's full daddy daycare this weekend, but it, it's there's no dance lessons, there's no skateboarding lessons. There is a football match on Sunday. Oh, but... there is a football match. Oh, okay. Well, that we will. Uh, I think we've recruited the um, long-suffering, wonderful babysitter Linda that we uh, have um, that comes to our rescue. So basically. We were sort of coming to the end of the of, of the school term. For those of you who've got kids, you've probably done nativities. If you've got little ones, I um, actually dropped Tabby off yesterday morning, and I, I was a bit late. And I did the school one. I'm, I feel like I can share this with you know my fifty thousand friends on here. I went with the leggings that I pulled on over uh, the vest and a vest top that I'd slept in, and the leggings were dirty, and I had a skanky old coat on and a hat on to cover the fact I hadn't brushed my hair and he was oh see you at the church <laughs> I said sorry what and it was the end of term assembly so <laughs> for anybody who resides in Westmoreland and you saw a sequined glitter ball dashing through the high street that was me running or I went home changed and ran back out again so um yes it was not a an escaped disco ball it was just me but that sums up my week really it's just forgetting things, remembering things, chaos. So if you are in the same predicament, Godspeed. And um, we will be back with you on Monday. And we've got a, we've got a bloke, haven't we? Yeah, we've got Daniel Frost, we who's um, it's a, a similar-ish story to mine. He lost his wife to bowel cancer, um, but he had a much more protracted um, time period. To, uh, to live through but it's a very powerful episode it was i was quite worried about you listening back to edit because of the similarities between um his wife and sarah so yes again it is an emotive episode uh it's really valuable to have male perspectives on this because as we know men aren't aren't the greatest at talking about their feelings so if you are a bloke 
and you are a widow and you're listening and you and you think you might like to have a chat with us you can talk to john if you prefer you don't even have to talk mm. to me um please do get in touch we we are booking up till sort of march april next year now but um we do get the odd cancellation so if anybody want if anybody's desperate to get their story heard let us know otherwise you can apply um via the website via the instagram or that's it that's it yeah so by the, <laughs> by the website or instagram <laughs> Um, and also, you, you might notice the appearance of the newsletter sign-up. Um, there has been no newsletters yet. We're just trying to get your names in, in that. Um, and I'm trying to put more bones around the website and everything behind. So hopefully, New Year, that the website's going to look quite a bit different. And actually, on the subject of New Year, we are going to hit our 100th episode in January, which is a really big deal, I think, because it shows the level of commitment that both we we have put in, and I, I, I'm not very good at taking credit, but also the uh, dedication of our listeners and our guests. So if you have enjoyed listening to WAF, or you'd like to um, leave a little voice note or something for the podcast for the special episode, please do so. You can do it on the Instagram page. Um, just keep it to sort of two or three minutes because otherwise it'll be the world's longest episode. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, guys, thank you ever so much for listening. Look after yourselves. Just remember that it'll all be over soon. <laughs> and I hope... Christmas, that is Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Christmas, yes, Christmas. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Way to send out a message of hope. Um, but, yes, lots of love, and we will be back with you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>